The 2022 NHL Winter Classic was entertaining, at least from one side of the ice. Uh, it appears that Tuca time hasn't expired in Beantown. Brad Marchand, speaking of Boston-themed players, is taking aim at the NHL, and the NHL scouts uh, had a bit of a letdown uh, this past week with the cancellation of the 2022 World Juniors. Is there a chance it still happens? Episode 301 of the Lace Up Podcast starts right now. It's time to lace them up. Here's Brett and Steve. And welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Steve Ellsworth. I'm Brett Tuboff. We uh, do have a bevy of topics to get to, and we're going to start off first with a couple of appetizers. First off, the 2022 Winter Classic, which, unlike another big event, did not get canceled, Brett. Yeah, that's true. Um, I mean, I don't know if there was really any doubt, but... Yeah, the uh, the Blues and the Wild played in Target Field, which is where the Twins play, for all you baseball fans out there. Um, and it, it was kind of, you know, I watched the first period. It was it was pretty exciting, um, although, but what was, like, apparently I watched uh, before it really got exciting because the Blues had five goals in the second period, Wild had one uh, goal in the second period, and they just never uh, got going after that. But it, yeah, I don't know. I love outdoor games. It's it's always exciting. Um, this one was kind of like yeah. You know, I feel like these two teams aren't really exciting teams. I mean, Kirill Kaprizov is obviously an exciting player, um, but it wasn't like I don't know. Like I go out of my way to watch these teams play. Um, so, so it what it did feel a little bit lackluster, and maybe all this Omicron stuff um, had an effect on just the excitement level of it. But, um, but yeah, it was it was, it was cool. Um, I I did really like. I I know we're kind of it's hard to talk about uniforms when this is an audio medium. But the blue, I really like the blues uniforms out there. Um, it was pretty cool. I would love to see them make it into an actual. Uh, jersey like for the regular season or the rest of the regular season uh the wilds uniforms weren't that um were kind of ugly looking too but um but yeah that that's been pretty much my takeaway i also saw that um uh, jordan bennington wasn't wearing a toque uh, during the game but uh i guess cam talbot was wearing a toque during the game which is kind of pretty cool um Although I guess it didn't really help, um, it, it didn't really help in terms of that front because because uh, yeah the Wild ended up losing by uh, six uh, six to four. So yeah, did you get a chance to see it, Steve? I didn't really get. I I, I saw bits and pieces of it. Didn't really. Um, I wasn't really to be honest as invested as I was in previous Winter Classics, and I think. Part of the reason is because of COVID-19. It's just, mm. like, really hard to, like, kind of watch hockey. Like, even the Sens played the Leafs. I know it didn't really go that well in the Sens' favor on the Saturday night, but just even seeing them play in hockey for the first time after a week or whatever, I wasn't really into it that much. 
um, I, uh, largely because of what's been happening uh, with uh, the pandemic over the past month. It's kind of really tough to, to, to really think about other things, but I think for some people, this is exactly what they needed, you know, with uh, the yep. cancellation of the big event that we're going to talk about. A lot of people probably thought very cold climate, even in an outdoor setting, it probably wasn't wise to go ahead with this thing in the first place. Uh, but the NHL decided to go with it. And I think that second period uh, explosion by the Blues um, was probably very entertaining from a hockey perspective. Uh, just to watch some high-octane, fast-paced hockey, even if you're a Minnesota fan and watching your team get destroyed uh, in that sequence. Um, It it was a sign that, you know what, maybe things aren't so bad. Maybe at some point in the future we'll be on the up-and-up again and we can finally kick COVID in the rear and and keep it out the back door. But uh, for the time being, it's it's really tough um, to get behind that. I also didn't really get to see, like, how big the crowd was. Yeah, I'm curious what the total attendance was there. Uh, the second period, um, the Minnesota players were pretty dejected at the end of the game and frustrated, as a matter of fact, with their second period performance. I don't know if you heard, but um, St. Louis scored five times in that second period. That's what I said, Which yeah. uh, is the most uh, goals scored by a team in any period of an outdoor game in NHL history. Uh, Jordan Cairo leading the way with two goals to assist, the most points scored in an outdoor game. Uh, Tarasenko, uh, Robert Thomas also did pretty well uh, in that second period too. So it, I, I don't think uh, which goalie decided to wear a toque or not had anything to do with it. Uh, <laughs> a lot of the wild players were saying they didn't really like their pushback in the second period. So it was, it was more of a team thing than a toque thing. Yeah, yeah. That's... <laughs> You gave me a good, uh, speaking of Tuke, um, <laughs> uh, Tuka Rask. Oh, what, what a segue yeah, I, I just know. dropped in your lap. How nice. Well, it, 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 was a, it was a perfect transition, but I did have another point to what you just said. So, <laughs> yeah. so, so we have to work in Tuke somehow um, in this uh, part here. But, um, but I did find out that uh, the attendance was 38,000, capacity is 39,000. Um, and as for your COVID comment, I was just thinking that it's it's a little bit different because it's um it's an outdoor game, and if you're going to be like say like it's a lot more safer to be outdoors than um, being indoors. So I, I think the COVID concerns for for that game aren't as bad. But yeah, maybe if some of the Wilds got got COVID or some of the Blues got COVID, then that maybe there is a chance that this game gets um, is is like gets canceled or something like that or you know just turns into a regular season game um, and postponed, um, but um, but yeah so I, I guess it was lucky from that standpoint but yeah <laughs> you do have a you did bring up a good point that like the Blues uh, scored five goals in the second period and meanwhile like. You know they're the the away team, so it's like I'm just imagining a Minnesota fan. It's like you finally get this outdoor event, and then it's like in the <laughs> middle of a you know like this has been like a game that all Minnesota fans have been uh, clamoring for because it's like you know Minnesota's been known as the state of hockey or hockey town USA type of thing. A lot of NHL players come from Minnesota. It's it's in, it's basically a part of Canada at this point. And, uh, yeah, so they finally get 
a winter classic outdoor game. And uh, not only is it in the middle of a pandemic. Oh, that's me. Sorry. I guess there's an <laughs> ad on this box for us. Like, I was about to say, are uh, you playing music? Ads, yeah, yeah. So I, I was about to say, are you playing music? Um, but uh, yeah, so not only is, like, they finally get the game, but not only uh, is it, like, in the middle of a pandemic and, you know, the surges are up, but they get, uh, they lose six to four. Um, that's got to be heartbreaking. Although... Even even when they win, they never win. (laughs) Right, 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 right. Um, and, I mean, yeah, it kind of reminds me of, I mean, the the Bruins, uh, Habs, Winter Classic in, uh, Gillette Stadium, um, although it's a little bit different because uh, they played at Fenway like two years before that. So, um, but like that was another one where it was like a blowout loss. And I, I, I didn't even watch most of that game just because it was over before it started. Um, anyway, speaking of Took, uh, <laughs> going back to that transition, uh, Tuka Rask um, is. Uh, it's not official just yet, but according to Dominic Tiano, who's um, he's very locked in on the Bruins thing, so it's not official yet. I assume we'll we'll mention this when it is official. But um, it says that they're hearing that Tuka Rask and the Boston Bruins have reached an agreement that will see him back in black and gold um, later on in this year. Um, sorry, hold on. Um, and in black and gold and will come down to timing to register it with the league. There are no performance bonuses, only players on ELC 35 plus contract or players who sign one year deals and spent a hundred days plus days on IR in the last year of their deal are eligible for bonuses. Um, so the thing that's interesting about this um, is, uh, is mostly that the Bruins have, uh, have actually, I mean, they have their own struggles, and um, although these <laughs> the last two games, their secondary scoring have been uh, phenomenal, uh, so so that's good. But they've had uh, COVID issues and all that stuff. But the thing that's interesting is uh, they have Jeremy Swayman and Linus Allmark uh, replacing Tuka Rask at the moment, and um, if you look at their stats, uh, both Linus Allmark and Tuka Rask actually have decent stats. Um, Linus Allmark has a 919 save percentage and a 2.55 GAA. They're, he's 8-5 and 0. Um, and Jeremy Swayman actually has a slightly better uh, stats than Olmark does um, with a 920 save percentage, a 2.2 uh, GAA, and a record of 8-5 and 1. Um, the thing that's interesting about this, though, is that when you, um, if they are to sign Tuka Rask, which seems likely, this means that um, Jeremy Swayman's probably going to be sent down because he's waiver exempt. Um, and uh, that means that Linus Olmark's going to be playing more than, um, or it's going to be a tandem with Linus Olmark and Tuka Rask. Um, I mean, I guess the Bruins could just have three goaltenders, but I don't think that really makes sense if I'm the Bruins because then it's just like Swayman just deserves to have a conditioning stint even if it's in Providence. Um, so, so yeah, it, it's it's a I'm an interesting situation, and I I hope Tuukka Rask comes back and is 
better than ever. Um, and, you know, I'm excited for that. And, I like, of the three goalies, when it comes down to the playoffs, like, I'd rather have uh, Tuka Rask even post-surgery than uh, Jeremy Swayman and Olmark, as good as Swayman and Olmark have been so far. Um, but um, just in the playoffs, just because, like, Tuka Rask is Tuka Rask. He's, um, he's the man. I'm, I'm sure uh, Felger would disagree with me here. But... Um, but yeah, I'm excited uh, that Tuka Rask is uh, is coming back. It's been a rumor for a while, but um, but it's it's cool that it's like it's pretty much like 95% um, official. Yeah, and, and uh, when you look at uh, the stats, like you said, it's it's a pretty close matchup there with uh, Allmark yeah. and Swayman. Uh, at the same time, I feel like there have been inconsistencies throughout the season with both of their games. True. Yeah. I think Tuca is an established veteran. He's a at worst a Vezina Trophy finalist uh, in his prime years. Uh, I think he's got a lot to give from the mental standpoint. For for me, when it comes to Linus Olmark, um, there are a couple of it factors, a lot of intangibles from the mental side of the game that maybe he can pick up from Tuka Rask to really get to that next level. And I think it's the same with Jeremy Swayman. He got a bit of a rapport with the Tuka last year um, when when the Bruins uh, had had their struggles with Yaroslav Halak and Swayman came in and played very, very well down the stretch for them. So I think from that standpoint, Swayman uh, benefited uh, from Tuka Rask uh, in that sense. What he needs is playing time. And when you have that entry-level contract, it's key to monitor his development and make sure he's developing the right way. So whether it's the NHL, whether it's the AHL, keep him fresh, keep giving him opportunities to succeed. And when he's ready for the NHL, he's going to be ready for the NHL. He'll be an NHL regular and worst case scenario next year, best case scenario uh, the year after that, it all depends on how the Tukaras experiment goes. If they decide to get anyone else uh, in the upcoming off season uh, to back up Allmark, right? So, well, you have this opportunity to properly develop Jeremy Swayman, you gotta take it. Yeah, yeah, I, I think it's the right choice. And like I said, I think when it comes to the playoffs, as good as Swayman has been, um, I feel like you 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 don't want to risk like just putting so much pressure on like someone who's um, 21 years old, not to mention this is probably like one of the last times the Bruins are like going to be competing pretty hard considering Bergeron and Marchand are um, on the older, like are on the older side of 30 and, um, and all that stuff. So, um, so yeah, I, I, I think it is the right move to bring in Tuka Rask, um, but uh, but yeah, it's it's also like I feel sad because Swayman has been doing pretty well so far um, right now. So we'll see. Um, speaking of the Bruins, um, Brad Marsh. So the Olympics are officially um, dead, um, and in terms of not dead, but uh, the NHL and the NHLPA are not going to the Olympics. Um, it was a rule change based off of all these postponed games that have happened the last three weeks or so. Um, and uh, they're also going to bring back the taxi squad, which is something that I even suggested. I don't know if you remember that, but they're going to bring back the taxi yep. squad. Um, 
So Brad Marchand, I, I think he, he made a he made a statement uh, during the press uh, press conference just saying that he's upset that the NHL that they're not going to the Olympics. It makes sense because he would have he would have been a no brainer uh, submission in the Olympics if he was going. It would have been his first Olympics, so of course he's upset about that. But uh, Brad Marchand uh, then goes on to tweet um, a couple of days later. Um, that the NHL and NHLPA can change the rules of the CBA to add a taxi squad so that they don't miss any games and don't lose any money, which has always been agreed upon that the players will pay back an escrow until the owners are made whole from what they have lost during this pandemic, regardless of how many games are missed. Yet they can't do a taxi squad during the Olympics so they can honor the agreement they made so the NHL players can go. Please tell me that's not bullshit. Uh, pardon my language, and and for all of you who want to pipe back about forfeiting pay while being gone, yeah, not a problem. Let the players make their choice. Um, so I um, so on one hand, like as frustr, uh, so I guess we're just gonna uh, yeah, start off on does uh, Brad Marchand have a point? Um, yeah, on, on one hand, like I, I think I mentioned this when when those, that news came out that they weren't going to the Olympics. Although I would have loved to see like the Olympics again, um, with, especially with the NHL players in it. Um, and I was disappointed that they didn't go in 2018, but in this time around it does with all the COVID stuff. Um, I, I think it does make sense that they are, doing that um and it's or like that they are you know that they they couldn't do it just from what like uh someone like robin leonard has said about the just going um going to china and if you get if you contract covid then that means that you're like missing like three uh three weeks or potentially four weeks stuck in china especially when like february is the time when your team is um, you know, the playoff hunt is fully in motion and all that stuff. So, um, so yeah, I, I think, um, I just, I just hadn't really thought about the perspective of like someone like Brad Marchand, who was probably looking, really looking forward to this, this stuff because he would have a pretty good chance of making the team and being a big part of the Team Canada team for his first time. Um, and of course, you know, I would have loved watching him play. Um, for Team Canada, but um, but yeah, it's it's uh, I I can I can see why he's he he does have a point though when it's like they're changing all these things in the rule book and um, and you know it, like how just like the fact that they're even adding a taxi squad, making a change f- from the taxi squad in the NHL, it's like well then why can't we just have a taxi squad in the Olympics? as well um and and i also like the point that he's saying like let the players make their their choice um rather than like you know clearly robin leonard has already made his choice um and i'm sure there were other players who are concerned about it too but uh but yeah that that's also a good point too of like these players um deserve a right to um make that decision on their own and it shouldn't just be like an outlaw of, of the thing, especially since they made this agreement before the season started.
There's a lot to unpack here, but it's very interesting, the comments that Brad Marchand made. So, adding to the cons of going to the Olympics is, again, the quarantine stuff if you test positive in China and the amount of time and until players are going to have to wait if they do test positive. What happens if players on the taxi squad start getting COVID? Then you have more players that are stuck True. in sign up for four to five weeks right which will add more strain onto the nhl teams where if they all of a sudden get hit with a COVID outbreak then you're <laughs> i don't know signing dan carcillo on a pto uh, but like i don't know a 10-day contract or something like that <laughs> well to, to that <laughs> to that point i would argue that because the olympic village is in like the Olympic Village is just a bunch of uh, Olympians there, and I would assume that they'd be testing nonstop, that they would be in a bubble. So it's not like the World Juniors, which we're about to talk about, where they're not, they weren't in a yeah. bubble. So I, I don't know if there would be a concern on on that front. Right, and, and I'm not talking about from the Olympic standpoint. It's like when the NHL starts up their season again then it's going to start to harm the teams, and then the owners are going to be mad, and the NHL is going to be mad. A bunch of people oh, I see are going to be mad. Yeah, yeah. Which is, I was talking for the NHL side, not Oh, okay. Well, because you said... Maybe Carcillo would have a chance to go to the Olympics, but we'll never... Oh, okay. You, you were talking about the NHL... Okay, I see. Uh, I, I, thought you were, I thought you were talking about yeah, the taxi yeah. squad on the Olympic side. Got it. Okay. If, if we get Dan Carcillo and John Scott on Team Canada, I'd be interested to see that. That would be kind of that funny. Yeah. Yeah, I'd like that just uh, because uh, I would give the Americans a better shot. But, yeah. <laughs> well, it might intimidate them. It's just like, hey, yeah. this is the American game you want to play, huh? Well, yeah, know, here we go. but I, I, I would rather play them than Connor McDavid and Nathan McKinnon. So. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, because fighting's not allowed, true. Also, isn't Carcillo unvaccinated? So, I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't... Yeah, okay. Fair point. I don't know if he's vaccinated. Anyways, I didn't mean, uh, anyways, to, I didn't mean it, to interrupt, it, but I just figured... <laughs> no, it's okay, it's okay. Continuing, continuing with the... With, my, with the... With the what you're saying. Yeah, does, yeah. Marshall, does Marshall have a point? So, we mentioned the taxi squad thing. If people in the taxi squad get COVID, that's more NHL players staying in China, which means you have to call up more people from the taxi squad if you're the NHL teams when the Olympics are done. And then if your team gets hit by a COVID outbreak, well, then you're really screwed. And the league in turn could also be really screwed. Uh, so that puts them in a tough bind. That puts their season in jeopardy. That puts their playoffs in jeopardy. And that's what the NHL wants to avoid because they know business bottom line. They need to make revenue. They need to finish up the season to make as much revenue as they can because as it is, some teams were just bleeding money just to make last year happen. Some owners were just like, dude, can we, can we just not play hockey? That, that's, that's the kind of situation that some markets are in. So this season is pivotal for a lot of those markets um, to kind of recoup some of the money that they lost. And, and just to stay afloat, even. Um, so there's that side of things. In terms of his argument that the NHL didn't really care about going to the Olympics in the first place, or not really committed to the thing, we'll see what happens if, for whatever reason, the 
the IIHF or the IOC comes to them and says, hey, um, the Olympics are actually being pushed to next year. Would you be willing to revisit this? That's where the players are going to be like, okay, if you're so serious about going, let's make this happen again. Again, the tougher sell is going to be the owners facing the prospects of losing their primetime talent for a couple of weeks and and pointing them to China and putting them at risk of COVID-19. So do the owners feel content with dealing with this possibility for a second straight year? And this is going to be a tougher sell for, I think, a lot of those owners. So there's that to worry about. So there's a lot of balls in the air that would probably prevent this from happening in 2023 or certainly add fuel to the fire that the NHL wouldn't go if the Olympics were pushed back for another year. So there's that side of things. This is where Brad Marchand has a point. And I point to specifically the Montreal Canadiens versus the Florida Panthers on Saturday night. The Montreal Canadiens have 16, count them, 16 players in COVID protocol. They're in Florida, and they still play the game. Yeah. If the NHL really cares about player safety, that game should not have gone on ahead because Montreal is just getting decimated by the virus, and yet they still play the game. I, I don't, I don't, I don't understand this. Yeah. But when when the Sens had ten or eleven people in COVID protocol, it's just like, yeah, no, 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 just stop, just stop. We, we need to stop this now before before it gets worse. Um, you look at the Colorado Avalanche as another example. They had five or six notable people enter COVID protocol on Boxing Day after games were postponed for a series of a couple of days. And they still had five or six people under COVID protocol before action started up again. Wasn't that the one, so, wasn't that the one where the Avalanche were even like asked like if they wanted to continue to play and they just they actually said that oh no we'll we'll still play even though they had a bunch of guys I, I can't remember that side of the story but yeah I, I think I, I, I think I, there I, was I remember that story I forget if it was the avalanche but it was one team that that uh they they had to like the NHL asked permission if they wanted to keep on playing and they decided to keep on playing for some reason yeah and there have been, uh, I think, eight or nine games now over the past couple of weeks that have been postponed due to COVID-19, but that's not because of COVID outbreaks. Right. It's because the games are being played in Canada, and Canada is tightening down on COVID restrictions. So they're just like, yeah, we don't really feel comfortable with having hockey games played here. You're going to mm-hmm. have to postpone. And the NHL is like, okay, I guess. And that's why you saw a lot of New York Islanders games getting postponed because they were taking their Western Canada road trip. So they were going to hit up Calgary. They were going to hit up Vancouver. They were going to hit up Edmonton. And because they were in Seattle too, that's why the game got postponed because they're not in Western Canada now. So that's why four Islanders games were postponed. It's not because of a COVID outbreak. It's because of the tightening rules um, for, for the Canadian markets. The reason why the Sens game against the Leafs was postponed on January 1st is because both teams were deemed fit to go ahead and the game was in Canada between two different teams. The reason why the Sens game against Minnesota was postponed is because it was a home game against Minnesota and the reason why no other Sens games were postponed is because they're going to be on the road until January 18th. So that's why they're going to be playing hot because they're in the States. 
So the NHL, as I mentioned before, it's going to be a pain if they just have to stop everything for a couple of weeks and have no games being played and are just being forced to reschedule all of these games while sorting out through NBA schedules, while sorting out through concerts being booked uh, for some of the NHL's venues. It's going to be this whole difficult process. So I can understand there's only so much that the league can control if they want to keep afloat their idea of a normalish season. But when you have 16 players on the halves in COVID protocol and you allow that game to happen, that's a major red flag. And that adds fuel to Brad Marchand's argument. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, you know, I, I feel I feel bad for Brad Marchand because I think part of it was because, like, he hasn't been to the Olympics and um, and this would be his best chance of getting it. I guess he could uh, make it to the Olympics in uh, another four years, but then he'd be, like, 36 at that point. So he's, uh, he's this is, uh, there's, not, there's probably, he's probably not making it in four years. Um, I get that side of the argument for yeah. sure, but also to counter, so is Steven Stamkos. He hasn't been to the Olympics at all for various reasons. But I, I feel like Stamkos has a better, like, isn't Stamkos uh, old, uh, younger than Marshawn? Let me see here. Okay, so Brad Marshawn is 33. It's just more of the argument that you're frustrated for not being allowed to oh. participate in the Olympics. Yeah, well, okay, so Stamkos is two years younger than Marshawn. Um, and, uh, so, so he has a better chance of making Team Canada. I guess it's also, um, who knows, but, um. With, with the, with the young talent coming up for Team Canada, I'm not so sure Stamkos is going to be a lock in four years if that's in fact when the next. Okay, but he has a better chance than, than Marshawn does. Probably, Um, yeah, you're right. Yeah, (laughs) you're not wrong. Uh, but, but yeah, so, and, and also I'm, I'm not even saying like, in, like, like I understand why Marshawn is frustrated just because of that fact, um, mm-hmm. but uh, but yeah, at the same time, I can see why he has an issue with it. Um, I do wonder though, like maybe it, d- it does seem like the Olympics are still happening, and but like I do wonder if maybe they'll have like another World Cup situation. So it's like um, maybe it's another type of situation where Marshawn can feel like he's a part of Team Canada again. I know it's not the Olympics, but I do wonder if they do set something up in the offseason just to appease the Marchands and uh, all the other players who spoke out um, about about this ruling uh, just now. Because um, I feel like it is only fair at that point, but who knows. Um, all right. The other question I have on this is, will there be tensions for the NHL and NHLPA now? Um, yeah, I think there there could be. I mean, I know as we mentioned, yeah, I can see both sides of what Brad Marchand is saying, and also like what the NHL is talking about too. Um, like I, I feel like the NHL just didn't want to go, like even without this COVID stuff, um, and they're just using this as an excuse. Um, but at the same time, it's like yeah, I can understand why uh, they don't want to go just because it's in the middle of the season and all that stuff. Um, and they never want to go. Um, but, um, but yeah, I, I think they could also claim that, well, it was COVID. It was in the middle of this Omicron stuff. We weren't sure about what was going to happen with that stuff. So, so the NHL could say something to the PA about that, but maybe there's, 
uh, to Brad Marchand's point is because they had already agreed that there was going, they were going to the Olympics in um, this year. Um, maybe there's there's going to be like some makeup tournament or something that can make it up for um, all the players uh, because they kind of breached that contract. Yeah, I think it's going to depend on a lot of things, um, but it, it the interesting point of um, the CBA being extended right. was the NHL players going to the Olympics. Right. So um, it'll be interesting in a couple of years when that CBA is expired, what becomes of you know, a future labor dispute or the negotiations to avoid said labor dispute. Uh, and I think it will largely come back to whether or not the NHL is going to the Olympics again uh, and how soon that'll be. Yeah, yeah. So the, the NHL has got time to fix it, but I definitely can see things boiling over if uh, they don't um, adequately um, fix what uh, grievances need to be aired, so to speak. What really needs to happen, though, and I doubt it does happen, is uh, the Olympics uh, just gets postponed till next year or something like that. Like yes. what they did, what they did for the Summer Olympics last year. But, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I don't know. Uh, I don't. I, I don't think it's going to happen. I feel like it's too soon. <laughs> like it's too close now because the Olympics is in a month now. Um, so, so yeah, I, I don't think it's going to happen. But that mm-hmm. is probably what they should be doing. Um, yeah. Okay, so speaking about international events, uh, the World Juniors uh, gets canceled due to COVID cases. Um, and this was, I kind of buried the lead here, but uh, there was a couple of reasons, but like Team USA uh, caught a c- case of COVID and then a couple of like, I think Finland and I think there was another team. I forget who the it other was. It was Chechia, Chechia, which is... Used to be the Czech Republic, which honestly, if you thought it was uh, Czech Republic and not Chechia, and Chechia was just a prank, well, so did I. Yeah, um, apparently, no, I they're Chechia now, not the Czech Republic. But, yeah, uh, I didn't know that. Apparently, it's because um, it's because of the Chechia case and that Finland, game against Finland was forfeited. So Switzerland okay. and Finland won games due to forfeit as a result of those two. Oh, Switzerland as well. Okay, I thought it was Sweden for some reason. Um, yeah, it was, it was Switzerland that uh, beat the U.S., which which would have made it tougher for the U.S., oddly enough, on a different tangent, because they hadn't played Sweden yet, and they hadn't played the Russians yet. So right. they obviously had to win that game, plus one of those other two uh, to really make a run at things. Yeah. In fact, I don't actually think the Americans even played a game before this happened. No, they, they played one game, but uh, that was Oh, it. they did play a game. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, oh wait, maybe... Maybe you're right. No, no, you're right. They didn't. I, I was Switzerland was the first. I was thinking, before yeah, their second, it was canceled. No, no, yeah, you're right. I I was thinking of the um, I was thinking of the preliminary. They played a preliminary yeah. game, but they they did. I was looking. I was looking through the top scores, yeah, yeah, and I right. didn't see a single American on there. Well, oh no, no. Wait, now that I'm looking here, yeah, they played one game, but oh, they did. Okay. Uh yeah, because I'm looking at like Maddie Beniers, um elite prospect page and it says that they played one game uh, where he had one assist so they, they did play at least one okay. um but anyways uh yeah they they had to forfeit one of um the usa had a forfeit because they had a case of covid uh, chechia as you mentioned had a case of covid and uh there was another team that had a case of COVID. 
bit. I think you were saying Switzerland. Um, so at that point, it was like, and and once once it happens, you have to forfeit. Um, and uh, yeah, so it didn't. Um, so and then it was just got so crazy because then if you, three teams forfeit, like I guess you could handle it if it was just one team that forfeits. Uh, but if it's like three teams, then it's just like, what's the point of having a tournament? Because then it's just like, well, <laughs> the teams aren't like, you know, then you have like, five, uh, let's see, five teams that can play and that's not fun. So, uh, so yeah, it was, uh, canceled due to COVID cases. Um, I, apparently it was also due to the fact that, uh, it was like last year, the world juniors was able to run because, uh, all the players and were bubbled up and they were in the same hotel room. But this time the hotels were uh, like other people were staying in the hotels. So it makes it's a higher percentage for teams to get COVID um, and, and players to get COVID because you're interacting with other people who are in the ho uh, in the hotel who probably also contracted COVID. And so um, so that's that's one of the things that's it's just insane to me that like why didn't like yeah i get the vaccination stuff has made everyone so relaxed and you can bring that out to the like, society as a whole and all that but like why why even like do, like like do that like uh, just just bubble up for another year <laughs> what's the harm in that um it's a tournament it's it's just a fun little tournament that everyone has and all that stuff, but it's just, uh, so that, that part seemed kind of crazy to me. I, I guess the other part that's kind of a double standard and I, it's the true irony, the women's world juniors was canceled because of the COVID Omicron stuff, but they didn't cancel the men's Omicron, world juniors, uh, right away. Um, it's just like, so it, that part is, uh, just a insult to any women hockey fan, any women hockey person. It's probably one of the worst things that uh, the World Juniors could do is because it's like, it's like, oh, so like they're admitting that the men are more um, important than the women are in the World Juniors, um, and especially when the women had didn't have the World Juniors last year. Um, and you could make a case for it last year because like the vaccine wasn't created at that point. So it's like, okay, you can just do the men there. But for this time, it's like, uh, what if you're allowing the men, uh, in the world juniors, then why, why can't the women do it? Um, with this year, Would you call that a, a case of unfortunate karma because it's yeah. just like, no, oh, no, you're uh, right. Yeah. Sorry. The, the women's world juniors isn't happening. The men's I, are. And then only is just like, don't worry. We'll cancel it for you. I believe, sh I, I, I think it's actually, sh uh, shot and fruit is, is that it? Is that, am I using that right? I'm not sure. <laughs> Oh, no, no, never mind. I'm looking shot and fruit up. It's the enjoyment obtained from the troubles of others. So, so. No, 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 no. No, that, that, that sounds more like a Sen Sickos type of thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess, I guess not. So it's, 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 it's more, it's really just ironic, I guess. And kar yeah. karmic. Yeah. Yeah, um, a bit of irony and karma. But, but yeah, I mean, it, it ended up not mattering anyways. But, like, it's just, it's an insane... It, in the first place, because it's like, why couldn't the women be in the World Juniors anyways, um, if the men are going? 
Um, so, so yeah, it was kind of strange from that angle as well. But anyways, um, I, we should say there have, um, there have been talks that the, uh, that they're going to reschedule this tournament. Um, according to the, I guess this is the IIHF head. He says, the integrity of the tournament was violated for reasons of player safety. We decided it was necessary to hold the WJC for real. Hockey is excellent, but the Omicron situation is disappointing. We prefer to end this tournament now. We will develop a proposal for all federation with new dates. So, so that makes it seem like it's that it sh- it could be rescheduled, um, which I guess could make sense. I do wonder if they what they should do is they should just send all these players to the Olympics. Um, <laughs> so, um, although I guess some of these players have signed with their, their NHL team. So maybe just the, the players that aren't on a team. Um, but, uh, but that could like solve both issues already. It's we It's like, Oh, we didn't get the world juniors this year. And we didn't get the Olympics with the NHL players in it. Let's uh, let's just move all the world junior people to the Olympics, um, and uh, problem solved. Or you're solving more than one problem, um, but uh, but yeah, I, I think eventually once all these stuff uh, uh, settles down for a bit, uh, then I think they will consider just doing the world juniors. But of course, if this like this Omicron stuff happens to like I don't know like the end of like April. Then yeah, I don't I don't think that's gonna happen, but uh, but yeah, I could see like it's more likely that the World Juniors is going to happen than like the NHL is going to make this like Olympic thing to to make up for uh, them not going to the Olympics, um, the actual Olympics. Um, so yeah, it's it's definitely a weird situation. Um, so yeah, any general thoughts that I didn't mention already? So um, there are apparently um, cases between uh, teams and officials, uh, positive COVID cases or people in COVID protocol. Um, I think shortly after the tournament was canceled, more people were added. Uh, But when the decision was made, four players had tested positive, resulting in three matches uh, being forfeited. Apparently, not just the increased spread of the virus that caused this cancellation, but uh, it was the initial logistics um, and the lack of planning in both Edmonton and Red Deer, another section of Alberta, that led to uh, what some are calling a predictable outbreak. Uh, This particularly made Finland head coach Antti Penninen very, very mad, um, this planning. And uh, he went on about that uh, in this quote. So just to reiterate what he said, he says, quote, I am very sad and angry about this decision. He's talking about canceling the World Juniors. Above all, I am sad for the players and the rest of the management team, especially for those born in 2002 because they also missed the under-18s earlier. I am angry because this was not a COVID problem, but rather a problem of poor management. There should have been an NHL protocol here where only the infected are quarantined, not the whole team. That's why games had to be canceled. It should have been handled in such a way that those who are positive are sidelined and the rest are allowed to continue playing. 
this tournament should have been organized and run properly as an event. It should have been the same as last year when, for example, the German team had many positive tests but still played shorthanded, end quote. And he makes a very good point. I'd forgotten about that, but yes, very, very good point. Yeah. Because uh, Germany did uh, press on. There was also um, the uh, wedding reception that you were talking about there, Brett. And uh, Chris Peters had an interesting tweet about this. So here's what that tweet said on the afternoon of December 29th. He said, team officials have stated that their players are being extremely cautious, staying in their rooms, obeying all protocols, and yet this still keeps happening. I'm told there's a wedding reception planned for the hotel. USA and Sweden are staying in tonight. What else can they do? To which Corey Pronman quote tweets, one staff member on a European team in the same hotel as USA and Red Deer calls the current COVID protocols and lack of isolation from the community ridiculous, saying they've come into contact with said wedding guests. Yeah, so, that's a good point, too. There's that. Also, I don't know if you noticed, Brett, but last year, on top of a COVID bubble, you know what else wasn't allowed last year? Or should I say who wasn't allowed? Fans. Right. You look at the attendance for some of these games, the crowd is freaking full. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like 50% or 60%. Like, the crowd is pretty freaking big. And... Uh, the restrictions in some provinces vary. There have been a lot of restrictions of Alberta uh, that have been implemented in Alberta where you're just like, uh, you should be, maybe be a little harsh on this, guys. Like, uh, the Omicron wave is pretty bad. And it's just like, eh, I think we're fine. And, and they just uh, and they just carry on, I guess. Um, so, so there was that aspect. Um, for whatever reason, it seems that uh, COVID has a fun time in hockey arenas. Um, maybe, maybe there's a chance that, uh, players get it from fans, even though like they're, they're a fair distance away from most of them. Um, with the stuff that COVID can do in hockey rinks, you know, there's always that chance and minimizing that risk last year, I think helped become the bubble formula successful, even though it wasn't the same world juniors that we're all used to, um, it definitely was easier to pull off compared to this one. So there were a lot of um, things at play that we just mentioned that kind of led to the derailment of this tournament. As to whether or not this will happen, in the summer, I could see it happening when things were a little bit better. However, it should be noted that by that point, in theory, assuming COVID doesn't wreck their seasons too, the WHL, the QMJHL, and the OHL players are going to be competing for not only their playoffs in their respective leagues, but also the Memorial Cup, which is scheduled to happen in May. Right. If those tournaments go on as scheduled, that limits potentially the talent available for these double IHF world junior teams, for Team Finland, for Team Canada, especially because a lot of players play in uh, the CHL for the for the respective teams in Quebec, in the Western leagues and the OHL leagues, um, so there's that to consider. Also, to add to your question about why are the men playing and the women are not, I think it largely comes down to money, yes, potential revenue, yes, but also the fact that this draft is very, very loaded with players. And a lot of these undrafted players in their draft years are going to be playing 
for Team Finland, for Team Canada, for Team USA, for Team Sweden, for Team Russia. The list goes on. And this draft is very loaded, very stacked with talent, supposedly. And when it comes to evaluating players and whether or not player A or player Z is better suited for this team, where do people go for the tiebreaker? They go for the best-on-best tournaments. They go for the best-on-best breakdowns. And where do you find that best-on-best talent? World Juniors. World Juniors, I think for most scouts, is the tiebreaker when it comes to, okay, which player do we take? Well, how they perform at the World Juniors? How do they perform against the best-on-best? How do they play against the best players, against the best teams? And that's going to be a bit tainted now because if you look at Finland, they play Germany. Not exactly the benchmark. And you look at Brad Lambert's stats and you look at um, the fact that he's around a mid-first-round pick and I hear comparisons are being made to Aturatu. Perhaps a solid showing at the World Juniors kind of shakes off any doubters about his play and maybe that improves his draft stock a little bit. Yep. But you don't have that measuring stick when all he's played against is Team Germany. Right. It's the same with Team Canada. They only play against Czechia, which is still called the Czech Republic, and Austria, who they absolutely throttled on the shot clock on the scoreboard. And even though we know how good Connor Bedard is, we didn't get to see him play against teams like Finland, Russia, USA, Sweden, etc., cetera, right. etc. Cetera. And it's the same with a lot of the USA talent. We didn't get to see them play against Russia, Sweden, etc etc so now all of a sudden you really don't get a benchmark when it comes to separating the best on best players and determining okay which guy should we draft we need a tiebreaker here who is the best player available and it's tough to do that without the world juniors it's interesting also because last year the world juniors were even more pivotal because of the lack of hockey going mm-hmm. on in the OHL, the QMJHL, and the WHL, when it came to evaluating talent, I think the World Juniors for most scouts is the only thing they base their evaluations on because, in terms of recency data, they could have looked at other years, but in terms of recency data, the World Juniors was it because they couldn't play yep. or they moved to other leagues. So it was really tough to evaluate that talent. So I'm interested to see as well how the cancellation of the World Juniors impacts um, the scouting decisions at the upcoming NHL draft. And even if the World Juniors are played, they can be played potentially after the NHL draft is done. So I don't think in that sense, if it's played in the summer, I don't know if there's enough time for NHL scouts to make their recency evaluations, even, even if it happens in the summer, because... There's right. such a short gap in between that and the NHL draft. So that is where I disagree. Um, well, okay. first off, you me- I, you you mentioned that this was the reason why there's no women's tournament and men's tournament. Um, I I don't see the reasoning. It's definitely just I didn't because say of part. It said uh, said part, not the only one, but I said part of. The but reason. I don't even think it's the uh, like a reason. Like <laughs> it's just. Uh, like it, it's it's a uh, like yeah I guess I see what you're saying is because the women do, don't have a draft but uh, but yeah I don't think it's it's that way um, and then I also take issue with the fact that for the most part uh, the like 
like we're gonna take last year out of it because it was a, a bit of an anomaly. Uh, but True. I don't like usually um, the uh, Team USA, Team Canada, Team Russia, um, all the Finland, Sweden. They're always stacked with players that have already been drafted. Um, and, you know, yeah, there was Logan Cooley this year. There was uh, Shane Wright. Uh, you know, there was a couple of uh, twenty other 2022 players in, in this World Juniors. And Connor Bedard isn't even uh, draft eligible this next year. So I don't think it has an effect on that front. Um, whereas, like, you know, because Connor Bedard is going to have another shot at it next year. Um, but I, so I, I don't think it's like, I do get what you're saying that it is like a true thing of like best on best, but at the same time, it's like a lot of the players have already been drafted. So you, you don't even get that from the draft standpoint. Um, although like last year, it, it, we really did get to see how good Matty Beneers is because he was a pivotal part of that team USA team last year. Um, but I, I don't think like that was the only reason why he was drafted so high. Um, and I think for the most part, when you're scouting, you are, and especially now when the OHL is back, the WHL, the QMJHL have a full season, uh, same with college. Um, it's, it's a lot easier to scout talent and stuff like that. And, you know, in a weird way, like, like, yeah, I get, like, the World Juniors is an exciting tournament because you get prospects, the top prospects playing each other and all that stuff. But if you're, like, if you're drafting or scouting, like, just based off of only, like, a couple of games, based off of, like, a new team that you have, um, then, like, you're, you're probably going to be a bad scout because <laughs> it's, like... You need to see them in their team environment, especially if it's like a team, like not one of these super teams where it's like, well, of course, uh, Shane Wright is pretty good because he's on the same line as uh, um, like uh, Mason McTavish. <laughs> so it's like, it, 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 whereas like when Shane Wright goes back to uh, wherever he plays in um, Kingston. Kingston, yeah, if he goes back to Kingston, then you get a sense of like, well, he's playing. He's his teammates are less caliber, and it would be interesting to see how he does on a, a team that's not a super team. Um, so, so I, I think there is an aspect of like it's a small sample size. You, these are like basically like six quote unquote super teams of prospects. So it's it's definitely not like a true judge of that. Um, that standpoint um but but yeah i mean i i do get your point i think the the big i i just don't think it's like a huge factor if they just move this to june um and yeah you do i think your better point was is that the memorial cup stuff but i don't know i i think you could make room yeah. for the memorial cup or not to mention the fact that like the draft would be um before this, uh, the World Juniors or something. So, so if they're gonna do it, then they should probably do it like sometime. Uh, I guess they could just do it in the summer and just forget, like you know. Um, and you have guys like Shane Wright and Logan Cooley already know who they're, uh, who's uh, getting drafted or stuff like that. But 
Uh, it would just sure. be like there for bragging rights or things like that. But yeah, I, in that sense, I will about backpedal on pretty much every point I said, <laughs> except for uh, how it impacts um, how it how it could uh, impact uh, the um, the NHL draft to an extent, and also um, dead set on the players that could be available depending on when the tournament happens because of the CHL and how their playoff structure, how their playoffs are done. Right, right, right. That's that's fair. Um, so the other question that um, that we have here is: Were there players you were looking forward to? I think we kind of mentioned it already. Uh, Connor Bedard. Uh, it was kind of cool that he had four goals in one game, um, and he was. Uh, I think this is pretty good. But the only other player to do this in the World Juniors as a sixteen-year-old was uh, Wayne Gretzky. Um, so I, I think that's good. I, I don't know if, um, I, I don't think Wingretsky did anything. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so, so I was looking for, and, and kidding aside, um, so, I was so looking for that. So you heard your first, Arna Bedard's going to get the most points in NHL history. Basically, yes, that's, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> um, so I was looking forward to that, seeing that, but I didn't, like, I, I didn't even, like, watch any of the early games because I was just. I was doing other stuff. I kind of like like you. I feel like I needed a break from hockey after all this Omicron stuff. So I didn't even watch the first stuff. And then I was like, as I as soon as I was ready to watch, because I was going to watch Team USA, then they were saying like, oh, it got forfeited, and then it gave me even less motivation to watch. Um, and also, not to mention the fact that Fabian Lysel, the, the one Bruins prospect, um, he uh, he didn't even play Sweden's only game. Uh, because he had a non-COVID um, illness, so he he didn't even play uh, the only game there. Um, so I was looking forward to seeing Liesel play, but um, but yeah, I guess that was not meant to be as well. But um, were there other players that you were looking forward to seeing? Uh, so the, uh, Owen Power, first off, um, oh, yeah. in the first game that Canada played, first defenseman in Canadian World Junior history to get a hat trick in this tournament, which I'm shocked that no one did it before. But yeah, that was a thing. That's crazy. And he also yeah. had two power play goals. So the thing with Team Canada is that their power play at times kind of let them down last year. The rhetoric was if their power play was just a smidgen better, maybe they at least take the U.S. to overtime in that gold medal game. Yeah. Who knows what happens. Um, uh, but that's a case of what ifs, and we'll never know the answer to that. But uh, nevertheless, their power play started off pretty well. Again, they only played uh, Czech Republic. They only played uh, Austria and throttled them. But at the same time, you love uh, you love the improvements from in Owen Powers. Gate Cole Perfetti finished um, the brief tournament with six points in two games for Team Canada. So the interesting uh, part of his evolution this year uh, in, in the minor leagues, um, I was interested to see how he was going to fare there. Mason McTavish uh, and Connor Bedard also being other guys that I wanted to watch. As a Sens fan, obviously, the guy that I really wanted to see was the man that we all know is, the young man that we all know is Jake Sanderson, because right. he is the team captain, not just... Uh, not not just a member, a key member of their defense, but also the team captain. Um, so I was I was also kind of interested uh, to see how he was going uh, to perform uh, in in the grand scheme of things. You also had uh, uh, Tyler Clevin, who was uh, 
listed as a, a game played, um, but more so I wanted to see uh, what Jake Sanderson uh, could do on the big stage. A guy that just seems to eat up a lot of minutes, uh, is a key contributor regardless of where he plays. Just just an aspiring young talent that uh, you really wanted to see. There's also um, there's also this uh, guy on Team Russia, Mitchkov. Mm-hmm. People are talking about Connor Bedard as a potential first overall pick in 2023. Mitchkov is one of those guys where it's like, if it's not Connor Bedard, it's probably this guy. Yep. Um, and he had three goals in two games for Team Russia. So I was interested to see more of his game. Um, there was uh, also a lot of other players um, on other teams. Uh, Lambert, I just mentioned again uh, for Finland, yep. he started off the tournament a lot. So he was another guy that I was uh, looking to see. And also, just purely because of his name, Ivan Ivan on the team Czech Republic. Oh, I didn't realize that. That's funny. Yeah. He had uh, one assist uh, in two games. Wow. Um, yeah, I, I, I think I've heard just all these scouts that I follow on Twitter. They're saying that Mitchkov and Bedard, like if they were in this year's draft, they would be drafted ahead of Shane Wright. Uh, and chain rate's going to be pretty good too. So, um, so yeah, I think that's like something to look forward to. Like, like those two are on the like McDavid, Austin Matthews type level, um, if I do say so myself. But uh, Shane rate's probably going to be pretty good too. But we'll see. Um, all right, so that that's about it for us here at Lace Em Up. Um, yeah, I, I guess now that the NHL is back to playing some games, um, I don't want to get over excited by saying that I think all the postponements are done with, but I'm going to knock on some wood right here um, and, and say, yeah, you should too. Um, yeah, anyone any one of our listeners should knock on wood as soon as I say that. Um, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, so, so maybe next week we'll have more NHL stuff to talk about. But... Um, in the meantime, I think we managed to, to, to talk about hockey uh, with it, uh, in an hour, so that, that's cool. Um, we hit the hour mark, I should say. Um, yeah. yeah, that's that's about it. Um, so I'm Brett Duboff. Oh, wait, I'm wait, Steve wait. Ellsworth, and where can you find us, Brett? <laughs> uh <laughs> The uh, you would think I've I've done this three hundred times now. You would think Only three hundred episodes. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, Twitter. You can follow us on Twitter at Lace Up Podcast. You can follow us. Uh, you can follow us on Facebook at Lace Em Up. Um, you can also subscribe to us or listen to us on SoundCloud. Subscribe to us there, um, and iTunes and Pocket Cast. Uh, that's probably my favorite. Spotify, uh, wherever else you get your podcasts. That's about it. I'm Brett Duboff. And I'm Steve Ellsworth, and we'll talk again in episode 302 of the Lace Up Podcast.